inside, Kempe dishes in front, another sliding catch saved by Flurry, this time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity, Lizana sliding, catch save, Robin Leonard, what a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Rolling right along here, hour number two, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. It's going to be known as Chris Chapman's Hour because over the last couple of uh, couple of shows, we haven't heard much from Chris Chapman. And while usually that's by design, there's a lot of information <laughs> getting out, and there are a lot of things happening right now in the NHL. And Chris Chapman's unique perspective is always welcome on this program when Darren Millard is in Tokyo. So Chapman. Let's get into it. Okay. We've got a fun game that we're going to play in just a little bit, but I do want to get your take on the trades for the Golden Knights over the course of this past weekend. Of course, it is Cody Glass to Nashville for Nolan Patrick. It's also Brett Howden to Vegas for Nick DeSimone and a 2022 fourth-round pick. So, you can tackle them together. You can tackle them individually. Your take on Nolan Patrick as a Vegas Golden Knight and Brett Howden as a Vegas Golden Knight. Well, I'll be honest. My my initial thought was it was a little underwhelming, I, I feel, at, at first, right? I think initially, okay. right, you, you have your your emotional thoughts and, and like, wait a minute. Could they have gotten more for for, for Cody Glass? And then you think about it, you look at it a little bit more, and, and you start to look at the numbers, and you're like, you know what? First of all, it, it allowed the Golden Knights to to protect or to protect someone else, right? Because they don't have to protect Nolan Patrick. Obviously, if they still had Cody Glass on the roster, they wouldn't have to protect him either. But looking at things as how they are, they they get to protect an extra player now. That's the way to look at that. So that's uh, what am I even talking about? They're not even they don't have to protect anybody, but. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Wait, wait, wait to start off to a great yeah. start. No, oh, no. My, my, my thoughts are um, at first I, I was a little underwhelmed. I was like, you know, it, it's not really a trade that, that I was super excited about. But I look at Nolan Patrick a little bit more. And I think if you're getting a healthy Nolan mm-hmm. Patrick, right, we've seen his first two years that he played his first two full seasons in the league when he played, he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Right, he was buried on a roster that's that's deep with center talent. Philadelphia has some pretty good centers, and he was buried a little bit, but he produced thirty points his first year in the league. The question is, are you going to get the Nolan Patrick of last season, where he only had nine points and he was minus thirty? Mm-hmm. So, I kind of feel like so, the Golden the Golden Knights have had success. With these types of guys, though, right? Like Nick Waugh, a real diamond in the rough. Chandler Stevenson, diamond in the rough. And that's the way I approach the, the Howden move as well. Like, I didn't really know a lot about him. I don't watch a lot of the New York Rangers. I, 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 I watch them when they play the Devils, but he's not a guy who really stood out to me. But he's a guy who, who obviously, first-round talent, right? He was drafted in the first round by Tampa. He's a guy who who I think has produced a little bit. And it's not like you're getting these guys to be superstars. Nolan Patrick isn't coming to Vegas to be your first-line center. Right now, you're looking to fill holes on in the bottom six. And Nolan Patrick, right now, is one of those guys who should be able to, to, to fill a spot in the bottom six. 
is there a higher ceiling with him? Maybe. And if it turns out that way, then obviously that's a move that, that you're ecstatic about. So in terms of a couple of things, I would push back on on which Nolan Patrick are you going to get? Are you going to get the one from the first two seasons or the one from last year where in 52, in 52 games, Nolan Patrick, four goals, five assists, nine points, and a minus 30. So here's the reason I'd push back on that. That is the first complete season that Nolan Patrick played after missing a year because of injury. A couple of things to note, 52 out of 56 games. So Nolan Patrick was able to stay healthy in a very shortened season last year. And while the production isn't where you wanted it to be, I think it's understandable when you factor in the the simple fact that Nolan Patrick didn't play a ton of hockey or any hockey while he was rehabbing his injury. So I don't look at last year as uh, kind of an idea of what Nolan Patrick should be or could be. I think that's a bounce back year after not playing a, a full season in the NHL. And simply you've got to kind of go through that to get yourself back up to speed. Now, that being said, I think you're looking at it from from uh, an interesting perspective. The way I'm looking at Nolan Patrick for Cody Glass is very, very straightforward. You have a player in Nolan Patrick who's played 197 games. 197 NHL games. What does that mean? He's going to be in your lineup every single night. Now, when you go into next season, and if everything was still the same, Cody Glass still on the roster, the Golden Knights go into next season with Cody Glass, how confident are you that Cody Glass is going to play 70 games out of 82? 60 games out of 82. I'm not fairly confident that Cody Glass, even going into next year, was going to be able to be an every-night NHL player for the Golden Knights. With Nolan Patrick... 197 games played in the NHL. I think what you've done is you've taken Cody Glass and you've swapped him for a player that I think a lot of people view very similarly, just from from an expectation standpoint. And you're putting in a player that you know at at minimum is going to be an every night player for you. And I think that's where the Golden Knights are are really trending in the right direction with this trade. And then the play of Patrick on the ice is going to make that even better based on what you're expecting out of him coming into this new situation. Yeah, and, and I think the, the, the one way to look at it as well is he, he gets a clean slate. He gets to start all yeah. over. If you heard him today at all, he, he sounded like he was very comfortable coming to Vegas. He, he hadn't really spent a whole lot of time here. He mentioned that he had only been here a couple times with the Flyers, and they were only here for a night, so he really didn't have an opportunity to kind of really see Vegas. But he's very comfortable with the organization. He's very comfortable with Kelly McCrimmon. He has a very good relationship. I mean, he calls him Crim. I mean, that, that's a pretty good relationship, I would I would imagine, because I don't think there's probably a whole lot of guys on the Golden Knights who are walking around, hey, Crim, what's up? You know, I, I, I don't foresee that taking place too often in the halls of City National. But he obviously feels very comfortable here. And I think a clean slate, a good fresh start. And, and to kind of piggyback on what you said, when we did our uh, lines a few weeks ago, I don't think any of us were really confident that Cody Glass was going to be one of those guys in, in, in who, who was going to be playing week or night in, night out for the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You look at Nolan Patrick, and I, I, I kind of wish we had a little bit more of, of a definitive answer because I did ask Kelly about what it meant for re-signing some free agents. Just to just to compare, if you slot him in as your fourth line center, he's produced. He his best season is better than Tomas Nosek's best season. 
Now, Nosek, of course, a different type of player, right? He 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 mm-hmm. he is that grinder type of player. He he goes out. He's got a little offensive upside, but nonetheless, he he ha- has missed some games. Like he 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 only played thirty eight games this season. Obviously, some of it was due to COVID, and the other part of it was due to having a, a, an injury. But he missed a bunch of time as well this season. He was probably on pace for his best season, but. Even if that's the case, Nolan Patrick's best season still probably is better than, than Tomas Nosek's best season. So if you're looking at just from an apples-to-apples apples comparison, fourth-line center, fourth-line center, I, I think Nolan Patrick is probably better than Tomas Nosek. So for me, I, I don't view Nolan Patrick, and I don't think that you know nothing's off the table right now. We have to see what a training camp looks like. But uh, I I think Nolan Patrick's going in as as three C going into camp, right? So I think you're looking at an opportunity for Patrick to play with, say, Alex Tuck and perhaps Peyton Krebs. This is all very very much on the fly and premature because we have no idea what That's a is very what else is young. In store. Third that is line. a very yeah. young third line, but if you're asking your third line to go out there and score goals and not worry too much about defense, then I think that there's merit in that too. If you turn your second line, let's just say nothing changes right now, right? Yeah. Nothing changes for the Golden Knights. You don't have any trades. You don't sign any UFAs. You just kind of go into this season with what the Golden Knights have either under contract or as a restricted free agent. I think you can have a third line that looks like that if your second line is more along the lines of a checking line. So if you take Marcius O'Carlson and Smith and you have those three guys shut other teams down, which Carlson and Smith are very, very good at doing, and you still have Marcius O as an, op- as an option to score, and then your ask of your third line is to, pu- is to go out there in the offensive zone, find ways to put the puck in the back of the net, be electric, and, and you can be a little bit risky and will live with the mistakes, then I, I think that there's something there. I don't know what Pete DeBoer is going to do in terms of what the lineup looks like. I don't know what kind of an opportunity Nolan Patrick's going to have to play in the top six for the Golden Knights. That's all going to be determined over the next couple of weeks between trades and the agency. But I do think that in terms of Patrick, I'm looking middle six, second, third line as opposed to fourth line. Brett Howden, to me, is the type of player that's going to challenge for that fourth line role. And I think, I'm not sure, but I think you're going to see kind of a tweak in terms of how the Golden Knights kill penalties in terms of who is going to get the majority of the assignments. Yes, Mark Stone is a fantastic penalty killer. Yes, Chandler Stevenson is a good penalty killer. William Carlson, all that. But I think you're going to see a a change in that you're going to have some players down your lineup that are defensively responsible killing penalties to free up more minutes offensively for Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson and Max Pacioretty because I think that's where their main energy and focus has to be for this team to to be fresher going into the playoffs. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting, right? And and adding Patrick to the to to the arsenal kind of gives Pete a few more options as far as what he does night in and night out with that roster and and how he sets his lines. I could see him slotting in as a third line center, and I I like the idea of telling Krebs and and Tuck, look, just go score goals, but I feel like you kind of want your your best players in position to, to score goals, which is why maybe you move Smith down to the third line and you have Tuck go up on that second line. But, I, I mean, I don't really know. It we, we know when I did my lines, I went very top-heavy. My best players, my, my, my top scorers were in my top six. But 
Yep. There's certainly a lot of leeway that, that Pete DeBoer is going to have when he sets his lines. And, and it's going to be so interesting to see. The one X factor for me is Peyton Krebs. Because I'm so anxious to see him and to, to see what he's really capable of. Because I've been a fan of him since before they drafted him. I really liked him. I, I, I hope that he fell to them. And fortunately, he did. And now I'm just excited to see. Look, we, we, we know what he did when he was playing in, in juniors. And we know he was pretty pretty solid in the very limited action that he had with Henderson before he had to go back to, to Canada. But... I'm just excited, and I'm anxious to see where he slots in. Is he good enough to win a spot out of camp? I don't know. I, I think he will be. But we don't know what's going to happen between now and the, the the first time these guys take the ice in, in preseason or even at the so, start of the season. So the beauty of this, and I think this is going to be the ultimate determining factor on on how we view the trade for Nolan Patrick and the Golden Knights uh, moving on, trading Cody Glass. I want to do the same exercise tomorrow. I want to redo the Golden Knights lines. Every line has to have a change with the players that are there. Uh, If I remember correctly, you did not have Cody Glass in your lineup. Is that correct? I did not, no. My my comment was he needed to prove it to that he belonged and he needed to earn it, and he had to prove that he that he was capable of being a full-time NHL player. And, and in my opinion, he hadn't done that yet. Okay, fantastic. We're going to redo that with Brian McCormick, who's going to sit in with us tomorrow as special guest co-host. And I'm curious to see if Nolan Patrick does make your lineup, because that right there is is an indication of what this trade means for the Golden Knights. And again, this is a team that I don't know that they're done. I, I don't have any insight as to what that next move might be for Vegas, but I do think over the next couple of days heading into the entry draft after the expansion draft on Wednesday, and then certainly going into free agency, if there's one thing we know, the Golden Knights are going to be looking to make moves, and they've got some decisions to make on some players that are going to hit the market uh, come J- July 28th. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's play a little bit of a game, though, because this is always fun when I get you <laughs> thinking about other teams other than Vegas. So what would you do if you were Ron Francis? Okay, what would you do if you were Ron Francis and you're looking at the Nashville Predators and you're looking at Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne? Which of those players would you select if you were Ron Francis? What should Ron Francis do. Well, can I preface by saying I wouldn't take either of those guys from Nashville, but for the sake of <laughs> of the exercise, <laughs> I I would take. Well, hold, hold. Listen, if you have another name, yeah, like if you're looking at it and you're saying I wouldn't take Johansson, I wouldn't take Duchesne. If you've got a name, throw that in after you make a decision between these two. Okay. Well, of these two guys, I would take Johansson. Because I kind of feel like Duchesne is just consistently underperformed. First of all, let, for, for, for the sake of discussion, both of these guys make the same amount of money. They both make $8 million a year. At least, I, I don't know, because they, they're, they're both playing on the first line with Nashville. But I feel like neither have really lived up to that contract. Like, like think about it, $8 million. Think about the $8 million players on the Golden Knights and their production. The Golden Knights, first of all, don't have a lot of $8 million players. 
they don't have a lot of guys making that much money, right? We we only have um, Stone and and uh, Petrangelo making that much money right off the top of my head. Maybe I'm missing one, but those two guys They're make right on the money. Buddy. Yeah, those two guys are making as much money as Alex. They're they're almost as much as Alex Petrangelo's being paid. Almost as much as Mark Stone's mm-hmm. being paid. When you think of mm-hmm. elite talent, guys who who really live up to their contracts, neither one of those guys really raise 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 my eyebrows. If I had to pick one, I'd take Johansson because he's a center. He's a little bit younger. He's a couple years younger. I think he's only two years younger. He has played, or he he. Oh, wait, I'm looking now. He played a couple more games. He didn't play a ton more. Duchesne played 34, so he played 14 more games, 23 points, plus minus of 19, where Duchesne had 13 points, and he was minus 12 on the season. Quite honestly, I don't want either of those guys because I, I it's a, the way I look at it, you're spending, you're eating... You're eating up a lot of your salary cap. I went through on Saturday morning and I did my mm-hmm. my my pre-draft or my 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 mock or whatever you want to call it. And what I found out, eighty-one million dollars goes really quick. Yeah, it does. Like, yeah, it does. I had um, I had Carey Price and and I had a couple of other guys. I had Niederreiter and I'm like, okay, between those two guys, do that? I'm I'm already at at, at almost sixteen million dollars. Between two guys, I'm like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe this isn't as easy as people think it is, but oh, okay. But you're also not allowed to make trades, right? So, like, yes. in 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 the case of so, kind of an overarching theme here for me is what is the philosophical ideal that Ron Francis is using to build this team? Is he looking at the players and saying, okay, this is a player that I want from, say, I don't know, I'm just going to use for example St. Louis because I look at St. Louis and I say. I like Vince Dunn a lot. I do too. I like Vince Dunn a lot. So I would go out there and I would take Vince Dunn. But the question is, are you leaving something on the table if you don't just go out, acquire Vladimir Tarasenko because he's there, and then use that to flip a player that, or to, to flip Tarasenko for a player that might be just as good as Vince Dunn, right? So, yeah. so there's, and, there's and a, a lot, lot of less different things. And, of a and cost you don't to you. get to do that. Yeah, and you don't get to do that. When you're trying to create your mock drafts, at least where where I did mine on Cat Friendly, which is a great resource, and you should go do your mock draft there because we're going to get to that later on in the week. But like for me, I look at it and I say simply, what's the philosophical ideal? How are you trying to build this team if you're Ron Francis? And yes, eighty-one and a half million dollars goes quick, but not if you're acquiring a player just to flip them in the next twenty-four hours, thirty-six hours, whatever the case may be. So I, I'm with you there. Uh, I look at this and I say, which player has more value if I wanted to move them? And for me, it's Ryan Johansson. He's he's only under contract for four years at $8 million. He's younger by two years on Matt Duchesne. I just think there's more likelihood of Ryan Johansson living up to some semblance of what that cap hit means. So I'm going Ryan Johansson. If I had to make a choice between those two players, that's what I think Ron Francis should do. Here's the next one. And you're going to love this, Chapman, Okay, specifically well, for you. Hold on. I'm going to tell you the guy I would take from Nashville. Okay. Go ahead. Kale Yarncroak. I would take Yarncroak. Okay. That's perfectly fine. Um, if you're Ron Francis, okay. what should you do? Oh, boy. P.K. Subban or Will Butcher? Oh, man. Well, 
I'll be honest, I'm not taking PK Subban. <laughs> so so will butcher by default. You, you know what's funny? When I when I did my mock, actually I I, I did I, I was debating between uh Will Butcher and uh, oh god, who who was it for the Devils? So for that one it's it's easy. I'll go with, with Will Butcher. Um he yep. his contract is not that high from what I remember. Uh let me just see what, what he's making. Will Butcher I'll, I'll check it. I'll check. I know it's I know it's not a ton. I know Subban's making like eight million. I, is it that much? Is that what New Jersey's oh nine million dollars is what PK Subban makes. Will Butcher three point seven three million. That's a no brainer for me. He's younger. You know there's some upside. PK probably on the decline, right? His career's winding down a little bit. I feel like Butcher still has maybe a potential to to, to have a higher ceiling at this point. We're talking almost five million dollars or over five million dollars. In, in salary, I was going back and forth between Butcher and Andreas Johnson, but uh, between these two, I, I, I like Butcher. I would take Butcher. All right, there you go. You would take Will Butcher. I would take Will Butcher also. I'm not going to commit to P.K. Subban at his age, at that cap hit, when I can get a, a, a young defenseman in Will Butcher who I still think can be a good, solid defenseman in this league. That's how I would do it if I was Ron Francis. Here's my favorite, well, my second favorite one. Okay. What should Ron Francis do when it comes to the Tampa Bay Lightning? You've got Andre Palat, you've got Yanni Gord, you've got Tyler Johnson, you've got Alex Kalorn. Which player do you take from the Tampa Bay Lightning? Yeah, this is a tough one because there's a lot of options here. Palat, a guy who could play on the first line. Obviously, Yanni Gord is a guy who's produced... Tyler Johnson, that's it, tough. It's it's really tough. I I I kind of like the reasoning that you guys had with Yanni Gord. I feel like maybe that's where you go, um, but that's it's so tough because they and you knew they were going to lose a really good player just because when you're as good as they are, you have a lot of good players that you just can't protect them all. Um, I, I I think Gord is probably the safest of all of them. Um, I, I did like Barkley Goodrow, but of course he's, he's a free agent. That didn't happen. Uh, Gord gave you, you know, he, he's a, he had 36 points this year. So he's 17 goals, 19 assists. That's playing on the third line. So that's, that's some pretty good production. For me with Yanni Gord, it's interesting because you've got a 29 year old and I think that might be a little bit surprising for some people, but 29 years old under contract for four more years at just a shade over $5 million AAV. So cost effective for sure, especially when you factor in, he can play every single forward position, center, left wing, right wing. He can play up and down the lineup. And I do think that this is a player with more time in the top six could probably score what 25 goals as as kind of a a conservative estimate there so with a little bit more opportunity and also the fact that he is just a pain in the butt to play against yeah i like yanni gord in this situation i don't know that i'd go for tyler johnson even though again he's kind of the same type of player where you can play him in different situations you can play him at different positions he can play up and down the lineup um I just I there's something about Yanni Gord I like because he's just so mean and nasty and has that streak in him and I think for for a team that's gonna just you know be be coming into their own you're gonna need players that are, are gritty like that yeah and and another player that they have exposed is is uh Kalorn, who's also 
a pretty solid player. Like, that's a really tough decision for Ron Francis to make because you have to think if you're taking one of those guys, you're not taking them with the idea that you're going to move one of them. You're taking them with the idea that those guys are going to be part of your foundation. I like Gord. I, I, I feel like maybe that's the safest. I know I've said it a couple times, but that's that's one of those where I'm glad I'm not Ron Francis because if you take one of these guys and he doesn't produce, then you're kind of kicking yourself. But when you look at terms of production, they're all kind of similar. They're all kind of in that same general age range. Yanni Gord is 29. Kalorn is 31. I might stay away from him just based on the fact that he's on the wrong side of 30 for me. Um, I don't know. That's that's really, really tough because Tyler Johnson is 30. He's probably the, the guy I wouldn't take. And I, yeah, I, I, I'm selling myself on Yanni Gord a little more just because of the age. And I feel like of all those guys, he's, he kind of produced the most. Am I, am I seeing this right? He was, he was the leading goal scorer for Tampa this season, 17 goals, him and Stamkos. Yanni Gord, that's my guy. No, Braden Point, um, 23, my bad. <laughs> Yanni, Yanni Gord, I think, is the right answer there um, in terms of what Ron Francis should do. Here's the last one, and this is my favorite one because it deals with the thing everyone likes to talk about, and that's goalies. Oh, boy. And and I'm, I'm putting the obvious caveat here in that I'm leading the witness into three very, well, I'm going to open it up to a fourth. I'm, I'm leading you to four probably less than desirable uh, picks simply because this is my exercise, and I'm curious to see how you <laughs> think this one through. If you were Ron Francis and you had to take one of these four goaltenders on interesting contracts, undesirable contracts, uh, to to be in a tandem with Chris Dreger, who would it be? Would it be Ben Bishop, Carey Price, Braden Holtby, or Jonathan Quick? Well, if it's going to be a rotation, I'm not going to take Carey Price because he is $10.5 million against the cap. So if, sure. I'm, if I'm taking Carey Price, it's because he's going to be my guy, kind of like Marc-Andre Fleury was year one for the Golden Knights. At least that was the plan. Quick, hold on, real quick. Yes, would, would you if if it wasn't a rotation, and you just you you had Dreger and you had Carey Price, and it's kind of up in the air as to who's going to be the number one. Would you take Carey Price? I might, I might, I I might seriously consider that because I want huh. a guy who who I know is established. I mean, they're all established, but. I might, I might be less. The more I think about the Carey Price thing, and now the news comes out that he's in New York getting looked at, he may have surgery. I know LTIR exists for a reason, but that might scare me away a little bit. Uh, Holtby to me is interesting because he he recently won a cup, more recent than Quick. Bishop, I got two. Yeah, but he's also four years older. And I think he makes a little bit more money, right? He's 5.8 against the cap where Holtby yep. is. Um, I'm, I'm just looking real quick what Holtby is against the cap. He is 4.3 million. So I'm saving one and a half million dollars against the cap. He's four years younger. I have him under contract, I believe, a little bit more. Plus, he kind of did the rotation thing already in Vancouver with um, the guy from San Diego who played at Boston College and was roommates with Alex Tuck. Thatcher Demko. So I, I might lean towards Holpe in that situation because I, I feel for the money, he he's probably 
right around where I'd be comfortable spending. I certainly wouldn't go priced, not at, not at that amount of money. Um, I'm just looking to see what Bishop makes because I know he's older as well, and and he's got a little bit of of injury concerns for me, but he's not too much more than Holtby. So for me, it would be between Holtby and Bishop, and I I think that's that's the direction I would go. Probably leaning more towards so, Holtby than Bishop. So I think Holtby makes the most sense if you can't work out a side deal, just simply because he makes the least amount of money. I would be interested in Jonathan Quick simply because I feel like there's motivation there for the Kings to make something happen. So maybe you can get an extra asset out of it or you can talk LA into keeping, I don't know, 2 million of that 5.8. So you're getting Jonathan Quick at a lower cap. That all being said, uh, I wouldn't go for any of them. Uh, if, if, like if, if I wouldn't either. Are, I'm, if, if I'm signing if you're, Drieger... I, I've got mm-hmm. my guy where I'm going. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. I, I think there's merit here, and I'm not sure what you do because I think Carson Soucy is a name that, that I think makes a lot of sense for the Seattle Kraken. But if you want to go with younger netminders, if you want to, if you look at Dreger and you say, I like this guy, I think he can be a star, and then you want to supplement that with another young goaltender that you think can really progress and, and build into something then Capo Kakinen is yes. the right name. Yeah. That makes the most sense. And you go into next season with a tandem like that, I think it gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of what your cap's going to look like, how much you're spending in goaltending, versus how much value you can get at, on the other side. So I'm fascinated to see what ends up happening with the Seattle Kraken with their goaltenders and what this team's going to look like. We've only got to wait a couple more days before we get there. But right now... Yeah, one other name give... I, I would look at if, if I wasn't going to go Kakinen, Casey DeSmith mm-hmm. from Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, yeah. I think those I, are I, two pretty young guys who, who seem to have a high ceiling if you're going to rotate. I mean, DeSmith played pretty, listen, pretty well. Here, here's, here's my issue with the Penguins and goaltenders. Matt Murray, Tristan Jari. Like I, I know, I know that Matt Murray won two Stanley Cups, but he's he's just he's he's exposed. Like yeah, he just I'm signed a, I'm, a contract, I, and I wouldn't Ottawa. take him. I wouldn't touch him. No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. But I I worry about the Penguins and their goaltending prospects that aren't Mark Andre Fleury. Really, like that's that's kind of the only thing I'm going to say on Casey DeSmith. But right now, let's give away two tickets for Battle for Vegas, courtesy of Vegas's fastest growing luxury brand. Finley Volvo, Las Vegas. If you want to go to see Team Riley Smith, take on Team Marcus Allen on Saturday, July 24th. Be caller number 10, 702-876-1340 is the number. Caller number 10, you've won a pair of tickets to Battle for Vegas this Saturday, courtesy of Finley Volvo. One-timers coming up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brought to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. One-timers, the segment that I have stolen from Darren Millard and I will never give back. It's a uh, it's good one. I'm excited for these. So Miro Haskinen. Cash is in. Haskinen and the Dallas Stars inked an eight-year, $67.6 million contract extension. Chris Chapman, what do you think of that deal for Haskinen and the Dallas Stars? Well, my initial thought is every time I see some of these young D-men get signed, 
it makes me realize just how team friendly of a deal Shea Theodore has with the Golden Knights. I mean, I yeah. really, really like Haskin, and he's obviously an elite defenseman. But is he $3 million a year better than Shea Theodore? I don't think so. I mean, it, it, it blows my mind that Shea is only making... I better stop, right? Because if, if someone's listening, they're going to yell, hey, hey, keep it quiet that, that this guy's not making that much money compared to some of the other guys. But it really makes you realize what a steal the Golden Knights have Shea Theodore under contract for because Haskinen is good. I don't know if he's $3.5 million a year better than Shea Theodore. You know, it's interesting to me about it, and, and we talk a lot about cap management. And, of course, it was highlighted this year for the Golden Knights when they had to play shorthanded in a handful of games because they were so up against the cap. But you also look at the fact that this is a team that has been able to get some of its youngest, best players under contract for very team-friendly discounts so that they can go out and make those types of plays on, say, an Alex Petrangelo or a Mark Stone or a Max Pacioretty. And so I, I think that you're absolutely right in, in that this deal for Miro Haskinen really highlights how well the Golden Knights were able to lock up, say, Alex Tuck and Shea Theodore to deals that probably are underpaying them right now. Eventually, the, the scales are going to tip in Shea Theodore's favor when he comes up for his next contract. But right now... If you're asking me who I'd rather have, Miro Haskinen at $8.45 million or Shea Theodore at uh, at just over five and a half, I'm going Shea Theodore all day long. Yeah. All day long. I'm with you there. I mean, and I really like Haskinen. I think he's a phenomenal player. But, I mean, he look, and good on him, I'll never, I'll never knock a guy for getting paid. Whoever his agent yeah. is, he really owes this guy not just a steak dinner, multiple steak dinners. Because that's a lot of money and good on the agent. If, if I'm Haskinen, I am so happy that this agent is my agent because he did a phenomenal job getting me a lot, a lot, a lot of money. So as ridiculous as it sounds, um, I overvalued Shea Theodore's contract. Yeah, I he's, he's not even making five and, five and a half. Five point two. He's five point two. Yeah, it's crazy when you really think about it. But uh, listen, as far as Dallas goes, they've got their guy. They've got the the defenseman. They're going to build everything around in Miro Haskin, and he's a good player. I like how calm and controlled he is in terms of playing the game. So I'm not really going to fault the Dallas Stars for throwing eight point four five million dollars at Miro Haskinen. Get paid, that's what you should be doing if you are a player of his caliber. The Rangers made more noise over the weekend ahead of the NHL's roster freeze by acquiring the right to negotiate with Barclay Goodrow. The Rangers and Goodrow are reportedly closing in on a six-year contract with an AAV reported around $3.5, $3.6 million. Um, should this deal come to pass... What do you think, Chapman? What 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 were the what was the AAV on that? Six years at three point five, three point six, somewhere in that ballpark. I think that's fair for a guy like Barclay Goodrow. First of all, he he's a guy who was really good in San Jose, and just a guy that they ended up moving. And uh, I think Golden Knight fans remember him him quite well. Um, he he scored some really big goals for Tampa. He scored some big goals for San Jose. He's not an elite player, but he's I think he's one of those guys who who just has a knack for producing when it matters the most. I like the move for the Rangers because he's a guy who, who, when you think of him, you think of playoff goals. 
a guy who produces in the playoffs. A team, uh, when it matters the most, I think the Rangers have serious aspirations of taking that next step and, and making the playoffs. He's a guy I, I want on my team in the playoffs. He, he's a really good player. I, I think he's very underrated, and I think the money is about right. So here's what I find really interesting about Barkley Gaudreau in, in that we think of him as a playoff player, and that's, that's absolutely 100% understandable. But when you look at the numbers, how many goals in, in four years in the playoffs, how many goals do you think Barkley Gaudreau scored? Five. That's absolutely correct. Is that real? So you're at, you're looking at <laughs> yeah. He has scored five career playoff but goals. They, it seems like they're we, all big goals. I I'm not debating that, but I'm saying if you're looking at a player who right now, in terms of his regular season, and and when you're looking at contracts, I look a little bit more at the regular season because that's what you're getting paid for. Barkley Gaudreau has never scored more than eight goals in a regular season. Can you commit in a flat cap three and a half, three three and a half million dollars average annual value to a guy that's never scored double digit goals? It seems like a lot. It, it really does. But I think if you're the Rangers, you also have to look at where you're at as far as other players and their contracts as well and where does he fit. Like to me, I'm thinking he's probably a third line guy for them, which is I think where he was in mm-hmm. Tampa. But they also don't really have a ton of money committed to a lot of players. The problem with the Rangers is they've got a lot of contracts coming up very soon. Uh, Zabinajad is, is going to be a free agent next season. Ryan Strom is going to be a free agent next season. Other than Kreider and Panarin, they don't have a ton of money locked up in forwards. So I feel like three and a half really isn't that much money when you're looking at some of the money that the other guys around him are going to be making very soon. I mean, they don't have a ton of money locked into anything. Right now, they have $23 million in projected cap space. So I guess it really depends what direction you want to go, where, where else, who else mm-hmm. you're going to target. But I, I don't think that's overpaying for a guy like Goudreau. I think he's probably a good locker room guy. And and I think he he's just, I don't know. There, there's just, maybe he has that mystique of scoring big goals. And like, as you sure. mentioned, he really hasn't scored that many. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't I don't know why why we have this this in this vision of him being this big time postseason player, but it's there and the, the, he's able to cash in on it. The question I have is how much does Barkley Gaudreau help you get to the playoffs? Because I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong to think of him as a playoff performer. He is just a guy that seems to come up with a big goal or two every single time he goes deep in the playoffs. I'm not going to discount that at all. But if you're going to commit that type of money to a player over six years, they've got to help you get to the playoffs. Because right now, I look at the Rangers, they're not a playoff team. They might be able to take some steps next year, but I don't I don't view them right now as a playoff team. So in, in bringing in a guy whose main claim is that he is very much a shutdown shut down player in the playoffs and will chip in a big goal here or there to help you win a playoff series, you have to get there first. And that's the only kind of question I have on that contract for Barkley Goudreau. Again, should it actually come to pass at that term, at that average annual value? 
is that the right deal for this Rangers team right now? I'm not sure that it is. I don't. I don't feel it's their most pressing need. We'll put it that way. Like, all right, I, I, yeah. All right, uh, Nashville Predators <laughs> prospect Luke Prokop becomes the first player on an NHL contract to come out as gay since Prokop's announcement on Twitter earlier today. The hockey world has united in a show of support and admiration for Prokop's decision to come out. Hockey is for everyone, and this marks, to me, an important first step to making the game more inclusive for everyone. Chapman. Yeah, you know, it was funny. This was actually going to be part of my catching up with Chapman. I was going to talk about this, but uh, I think it's great. And and obviously, you know, I there, there's always going to be toxic remarks or toxic comments when you see things like this. I yeah. saw it about Carl Nassib. I've seen a, a little bit about Luke Prokop, but I will say this. When people say, who cares? People who are, are parents of gay children who want to play sports, they care because yeah. now they have yep. someone to look up to that says, hey, look, this guy can be a positive role model. This guy's gay, and he's he's showing that you can be gay and you can be a very highly touted hockey player. I mean, he was a third-round pick, so obviously Nashville saw a lot in him to draft him that high just a year ago. You know, maybe, maybe there's other athletes who want to come out and they feel that they can't. This gives them hope. Hey, you know what? I Maybe I can come out as well. I was really positive about Carl Nassib. Of course, he plays here in Las Vegas with the Raiders. I'm, I'm very positive about Luke Prokop. I think it's great. As you mentioned, hockey is for everyone. It's very inclusive. We want more people playing the sport because it's such a fantastic game. It really shouldn't matter. And, you know, for the people who say who cares, read a book, okay? It's well, there's, there's no need to there's there's no need to get into that right because it, the fact of the matter is this is a young man who feels like the the most important thing for him is to be true to himself whatever that is however that 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 is that's what you've got to do that's the big lesson here and for me representation is key if you're growing up and you feel like there just isn't someone doing what you want to do that's like you, knowing that that person exists, knowing that that person is getting love and admiration and support, it only helps you. And for me, I think that's the most important thing. It's a necessary and gigantic step, and you've got to give massive respect and huge stick taps to Luke Prokop, who came out today, the first player under NHL contract to come out as gay. Those are your one-timers for this Monday, July 19th. Catching up with Chapman is next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Wrapping it up on a Monday. Fun two hours flew by. Thanks to Shane Knighty for jumping in in hour number one. Special guest co-host. But right now it is time to catch up with Chapman. Yeah, ESPN announcing something pretty cool today. They are going to have a broadcast featuring the Manning brothers, Peyton and Eli, on Monday Night Football. They're going to headline alternate Monday Night Football broadcasts. Uh, ESPN announcing today, former NFL quarterbacks Peyton and Eli Manning are going to take part in alternate Monday Night Football broadcasts over the next three seasons, meaning that those guys will be on 
the broadcast. I'm hoping we get to see them together because how cool would it be to see the Manning brothers together breaking down football games? Maybe guys play terrible and they're they're trashing them. Although I don't think Eli would trash Peyton, maybe more so. But uh, I think it's cool. I mean, I was never a fan of Eli and Peyton. Couldn't stand either of them when they were playing, but. Yeah. As they've retired, I've really grown to appreciate them a little bit more, and, and it's kind of cool to keep them in the broadcast world because they are two of the greatest quarterbacks to play in the NFL. It'd be fun to see Matt and Brady Kachuk do the same oh, thing. Oh, my but that's God. years down Sign the Sign me up for that. Brian McCormick, he's going to join us tomorrow on Fox Sports Las Vegas.